Welcome to Life Happens, where Texans come to protect their legacy and prepare for the second half of life. Join your host, Attorney Kim Hegwood with Hegwood Law Group and our weekly guest as we navigate the challenges that emerge as life happens. Now here's your host, Kim Hegwood. Good morning. We have a very special guest this morning. It's Tamara Clouch, and she's with Dementia Alliance International. Welcome, Tamara. Hi. Nice to meet you, Kim. And um, and so tell us a little bit about um, what you do, and um, uh, we'll start with that. Absolutely. So I'm an integrative wellness and life coach. I own a company called V2V Wellness and Aging. I work with women primarily in their 40s and 50s um, who want to continue living life on their own terms, especially those people that have a family history of dementia. Um, So I also do a lot of volunteer work with Dementia Alliance International. I'm their finance officer. Dementia Alliance International is an international nonprofit um, with members in 49 countries, and they provide free online peer-to-peer support groups for people living with dementia. That's great, uh, especially now, you know, with you know, COVID going on, that um, having online support groups is probably very beneficial to a lot of people. Yeah, it's been it's been interesting because GAI has been doing this for six years now doing these online support groups using Zoom and all this. We were actually an early adopter of Zoom. And so it's been, um, people with dementia are often kind of living a COVID-style lifestyle because they are excluded from society. They're home all the time. Um, and, and so there's a lot of discrimination and stigma around dementia. And so they were very well prepared to be the... Um, examples of how to really connect with each other, uh, even when we can't leave the house. I know that this has been really, really hard on so many of my clients because, you know, with our elder law practice, a lot of our clients are 50 and above and and being, you know, trapped at home or in their apartments at communities, it's been really, really difficult for them. And so what brought you to this this line of work? I think there's some history there? Yeah, there's some family history. I think that a lot of us that get involved in any sort of human or disability rights have a family history. Um, My grandmother had Alzheimer's and she passed away in 2008. I was her primary caregiver for much of that time. Um, And so I really left that experience with a very negative attitude towards Alzheimer's and dementia. Seeing it, I saw it as very hopeless and I was worried that my mom was going to get it and that I was going to get it and that there wasn't anything that we could do about it. And in the intervening years, I've discovered that that's not the truth. Um, There's actually a lot that you can do about um, your risk for developing Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia. And so like so many difficult things in our lives that create kind of who we're supposed to be, and what we're supposed to what we're supposed to do. So, um, out of that difficult time came my passion um, for helping people have a have a, a hope for a future, and not feel that Alzheimer's is like we say the luck of the draw, because it's not by any stretch of the imagination. Um, genetics are just a part of our risk profile for Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia, um, and Alzheimer's is just 
one type of dementia. I think that a lot of your readers may not, or your viewers may, um, may think they're separate things. But Alzheimer's is one form of dementia. It's the most common form of dementia. Um, and there is a genetic component. We can have a higher or lower risk for Alzheimer's. But the vast majority of dementias, including Alzheimer's, um, genetics is just part of it. And there's a small percentage of dementias that if you have those genes, you really can't do anything about developing it. But that's a really small percentage, like two or three percent. So the rest of it is actually something that we can do something about. And so that's where I come in. Well, let's talk about that briefly, because uh, now you're, my curiosity is, is out there. So let's say that I have a, you know, a diagnosis of Alzheimer's in my family. So mm -hmm. I come to you and I say, Tamara, what can I do to help make sure that, or at least, you know, hope that I'm not going to get it as well. Because we have a lot of people, you know, a lot of clients, because the kids are in here, or maybe the grandkids too as well. And they're saying, you know, oh, my grandmother or my mother had Alzheimer's, you know, and, and, and I was always one of those ones that didn't want to get tested, didn't want to know, you know, and other people have gone through the testing that says, yes, I have the gene that's always, you know, probable. So if I come to you and say, what can I do to lessen the odds of me getting Alzheimer's, how do you walk uh, a client through that? Well, that's a very good question. And I think that for those of us with a family history, that's always in the back of our mind. My husband calls it the hereafters. You go into a room and you can't remember what you were hereafter. And so I think for those of us with a family history, that can really be something we can lay in bed at night and worry about is, is, is this, is this the signs? Is it starting? And so what I, what I like to explain to people is, you know, Alzheimer's is in a way, it's like any other chronic degenerative condition. So heart disease, diabetes, cancer, there's risk profiles around these things. And so with Alzheimer's, for me, one of the best decisions I ever made was getting tested to understand my risk profile because there's different kinds of risk. And let's say there's five basic, there's five basic categories of dementia risk. Let's start there. Okay. And so you can have your genetics, which are your biomarkers. So you have that risk profile, which you're born with and you can't really do much about, right? You, that's the, that's the, the card you were dealt with at birth, but there's other things. And so demographics is another a big domain of risk. So if you're a woman, if you live in certain countries, these are things that we really can't control either. So our genetics and our demographics, we're just kind of born into that. But the rest of it is lifestyle and medical, like comorbidities, other medical conditions that we may or may not have, as well as environmental factors. These can all increase or decrease our risk for dementia, including Alzheimer's. And so for people that, for women especially, that lay awake at night, like myself, and, and think about, you know, I want to continue living life on my own terms. Yeah. Seeing my grandmother moving from where she was perfectly happy and against her will was put into, you know, a home. And she, all of these things started to happen to her. And she didn't have a control over who she spent time with, what she did during the day, where she lived. And for me, that's just unfathomable to, I want to keep living life on my own terms. And so 
for people that really want to keep living life on their own terms and make those decisions and have that control for the rest of their life, there is stuff you can do to lower your risk. Now, the answer is really simple, but most people don't like it <laughs> because it's not a magic pill. And that's we're, we're so conditioned, I think, to take a pill when we have a problem that the real answer isn't in a pill. It's in our choices and our behaviors. And so we can reduce our dementia risk by applying conditions that lower it to not help balance out the genetic risk or the demographics that we're born with. So um, if we, if I, if, if somebody walked into my office or I do a lot of free consultations, I do like a half an hour, just free consultations. And um, I like to give away as much as I can because the, the, there's, this is a huge, huge um, challenge in, in our country and in, in the world. Um, by some estimates, one in 10 baby boomers will have dementia by 2030. One in 10. That's 70 million. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's tremendous. And so the good news is things like exercise, nutrition, not smoking, <laughs> not drinking much alcohol, losing weight, doing cognitive training, all of these things we can, we can do. And if we do them really well, we can really reduce our risk for not only dementia, but also heart disease, diabetes, and all these other um, complex conditions that are really the result of lifestyle um, choices and comorbidities in our medical, uh, medical comor comorbidities. So the, the simple answer is it's really simple, but most people don't stick with eating well or exercising. Um, it's, it's, we always want a pill, but you know, there's things you can do today to lower your risk um, tomorrow. So you said some of the things were, you know, were food and exercise and drinking less, you know, and things like that. And um, do you find that it's harder for clients because we're in a such a fast-paced, you know, society? Uh, you know, you're working all day, you go home, you're like, oh, I don't want to cook, and you know, you just eat whatever, you know, just to kind of get through. And so, do you find that um, that it's a little more difficult to make those good choices for a lot of people? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Our lifestyle, especially in the United States, is really set up to just kind of burn us out. Um, and, and we don't, I think that COVID is actually for some people, um, has helped do a good reframe on, cause if we, if we can't leave and go sit in traffic for two hours going to and from the office and we're home all the time, um, some people have really improved their routine. They're cooking more, they're exercising more. Some people have gone the complete opposite way. <laughs> so, you know, there, there's no accounting for, um, it, it's free will. So it all comes down to how bad do you want it? It all comes down to how bad do you want it? Because if you want it bad enough, you could do it. So for me, it's, it would be a, for me, it's super important to continue living life on my own terms. That's my, that's my lifelong goal. When I'm 90, 95, 100 years old, I want to be able to walk. I want to be able to talk. I want to be able to live where I want and do what I want. And so Every decision that I make today is in line with that goal at the end of my life. 
I'm not necessarily the norm in that regard, I understand, which is why I work with clients on an integrative approach. So an integrative approach means, let's say, for example, how many times have you started a new diet and had like the best intentions and have fallen completely off the wagon? I mean, I've done it. Yeah. Or, ex- or exercise. I mean, how many times have we like, okay, okay, I'm going to start exercising three days a week and I'm going to do this. And, you know, maybe we have some good momentum for a week, a couple of weeks, if we're lucky, a few months. And then what happens? We tend to revert back to these unhealthy, unproductive patterns, habits, and practices that really aren't in line with where we want to go in life, but it's just kind of what happens. So in in an integrative approach, we work across the full human being, the full self, recognizing that it's more than just a physical aspect. So what we're doing with our bodies, because the food I eat, my habits around food, those habits have roots back in my childhood even. The, so it's really about making changes that stick, taking it step by step along the way, So if a client says, well, you know, I want to start exercising. Well, the excuses that I give myself to not exercise or the, the, the way out I give myself, you know, those are habits and patterns that we have established throughout the course of our life and they can be interrupted. They can be changed. And so I work with clients on, on exactly that, understanding the roots of our behaviors and making changes that result in new habits, new patterns, new practices that support who I am, who I want to be, and where I'm going in life. So I, uh, I, I listen to a podcast that talks about all these kinds of things, that the things that we learn, we learn by the age of seven, you know, and then our subconscious takes over. And so you figure, you know, we're, you know, 50 and over, and we're now trying to break bad habits from our childhood. Um, how easy do you find that that is for a lot of people that you see? Well, it is so individual. There's, there are some people that are, are really, really motivated to make change. And it's not about making a hundred different changes. That's where we, that's where I think a lot of people get overwhelmed because if I listed all of the things off to you that you can do to reduce your risk of dementia, it can be overwhelming, right? It really can. So it's about where can I make the biggest difference? And to be honest, that's exercise. Hands down, it's exercise and nutrition. It, those, are, those, are, those are hands down. Those are also some of the hardest things to stick with, right? So, um, you know, having an accountability partner is really helpful. So whether it's a friend that you're working with um, or a coach like me that, that is helping you be accountable and helping give you um, energy and excitement and resources and tools and a plan. It's a plan that we can execute um, to uh, to have better brain health and better overall health. Um, and that that plan for me is not about just eating better or exercising more. It's got to include the mind, body, heart, and spirit all of it in order to achieve those changes and make them stick and get the results that you're looking for. It seems a little overwhelming. And so, you know, when you think about um, all of the you know things, it's like, yes, I need to exercise more. 
um, yes, definitely need to eat better, definitely, you know, need to be in, you know, in better health. But for the clients that are coming in that maybe have, you know, Alzheimer's or dementia, you know, in their family history, do you, is it better to get tested? So before they come to see you or does it matter? Um, your, your, your genetics aren't going to change whether you get tested and know it or not. Um, yeah. For me personally, it provides more motivation to have an accurate picture of my risk profile. So that genetic risk is part of my risk profile. So if I have no biomarkers that say, okay, you have a higher, higher risk of getting dementia. If I have no biomarkers, well, then maybe I don't need to try as hard in the other areas, right? But if I know that my risk in that one area is really high, I need to drive it down by taking actions in the other areas. And so, but if you, if you look at all kinds of comorbidities that we have right now, um, how prevalent in our country it is to be overweight, to be obese, um, it's, it's not easy to make changes or else everybody would be doing it, right? So it all, it all comes back to how, how badly do you want it? How badly does it matter to you? Um, do you want to keep, do you want to decide what clothes you wear, what food you eat, where you live, who you hang out with, or do you really not want to end up like the people you've known that have gotten older and have lost control of those factors of their life? Do you want to maintain your independence and dignity as you age for the rest of your life? Um, so is everybody ready to commit to that? No, but working with people who have hit a point in their life where they're like, you know what? This is silly. I, I can make a change. I haven't yet, but I can. I believe that I can. And so that's all we need to start with is that little seed of hope. And I can help turn that into a very simple step-by-step -step program to achieve the goals where it's not overwhelming because it's not about fixing everything at once. It's just about taking steps in the right direction. We find a lot of clients that, you know, how they, how they envision their end of life, you know, what it looks like, you know, and we talk to them about, you know, what do you want to do when the, you know, when, when things start to decline, you know, how do you want to be taken care of? Because to me, I think it's so important for the clients when they have, you know, capacity and there's no issues to really lay that out for someone that says, you know, hey guys, this is what I want. This is what I want you to spend the money on. This is how I want to be taken care of if I can't take care of myself, you know? And so, so I think it's, it's, you know, it's amazing that, you know, that you have this, this job that, you know, that helps, you know, definitely gets, keeps you better. And, um, you know, and hopefully, you know, hitting those, you know, end of years, just as healthy as you can be doing all the things you love, you know? And so for me, I, you know, it's, I tell clients, have as much fun as you can. You know, the goal is to have as much fun, do the things you want to do. Don't put it off, you know, because sometimes putting it off is not necessarily, you know, a, a good thing. Um, you know, there's no game. <laughs> so, yeah, um, definitely. And so Tamara, if, um, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, um, how would they do that? 
Well, so you can go to my website at v2v.org or send me an email, Tamara at v2v.org, and I'll get right back to you. Um, I'm always, I, I do free consultations. So a half an hour free consultation to answer as many questions as I can. My goal is to help as many people as possible. Um, and so, yeah, so we can just start there. I'm happy to hear what people's stories are. And if I'm not the right resource for them, I'll connect them with, uh, with the resources that, um, that I'm familiar with. And, um, we're all on the same team here. And, and what we're trying to do is make a, real difference in real people's lives. That's what you're doing. That's what I'm doing is trying to, trying to help. Um, so it's, it's, it's a blessing just to meet people and hear their stories and, um, help them get started in the right direction. Yeah. I'm like you, I have a great job that I love. I get to meet fascinating people every single day and um, you get to hear their stories and, you know, yeah. and, you know, and, uh, and it just, you know, it just makes you feel like you're part of their family you know, and so when you get to know people, you know, really well and things like that. And so, um, you know, so it just, it's a, you know, it's a great thing. I really appreciate all that you're doing because I know we have so many clients that really need to be on the right track, especially when they have, um, you know, the potential issues are in their family. So they're a little more concerned, you know, about, you know, what can we do? And, you know, because, you know, I just keep thinking, you know, I've got Sudoku on my, on my iPad and I've got it on my phone and, and uh, when I used to go to the courthouse, I used to play it, you know, play the games, you know, to help keep those mind games going and the boredom sitting, you know, waiting for your turn. Right. Um, but definitely, you know, all those things, you know, come into play, you know, it is so helpful. So I just want there's, to think. There, there's one thing if I could, if I could interject the Sudoku and from, from a neuroplasticity perspective. So the Sudoku, my mom does the same thing. She loves Sudoku. Um, it's great. It's a good, you know, it's a, it's a game to play the, but the, the, Connections in your brain that you use to play that are already made. So it's really about taking advantage of the principles of neuroplasticity. Your brain can continue making new connections for the rest of your life. So it's really about diving in and doing cognitive training. I personally like Brain HQ. I don't have a, like a contract with them, anything like this. But Brain HQ, because you can see your progression over time, it helps with memory, spatial um spatial awareness, recognizing faces. Um, so that's a great resource. If you want to like to share that with your, with your clients or with your viewers, I think that's a great resource. Brain that's HQ. Perfect. That's perfect. Cause anything that, you know, especially now you're trapped at home, you know, a lot of people are, they're not doing as much, you know, so the things you can do, you know, and I like being able to pick up my phone or my iPad and do things on it. You know, and I like to challenge myself, you know, so that part is, you know, is fun trying to get to the next level. So that's a great resource for clients. And I appreciate that immensely. And, yeah, um, so absolutely. Um, uh, any other th games and things like that? that may well, there's I, I, I don't want to get off with, with I, I know we focus a lot on the, um, you know, people exercise and nutrition. Right. That, that's that's kind of those yeah. are the biggies. But it's also about having a reason to get out of bed every day. Yeah. And having, having, being connected to your community, having roles in your home, um, being connected to the greater world outside and which is tough right now because a lot of us are just kind of stuck at home. Um, but that's also part of, you know, having that control and living life on our own terms is, is making sure that we have a reason to get out of bed every day for the rest of our lives. And when I work with people, um, who are getting near retirement age 
And all I hear is, oh, I can't wait to retire and I'm going to do nothing and I'm going to, I'm going to travel and I'm going to, I'm going to relax. And that sounds lovely, but that's the worst thing that you could be doing for your brain (laughs) is to completely stop learning new things and being engaged and being part of the bigger world. We all need a reason to get out of bed every day. And so thinking about that, what's my reason going to be when I'm retired? What am I going to do with myself? Um, It's a huge component for cognitive wellness is having the socialization and those connections. Um, And so that's, that, that's one thing I don't want to leave out is the importance of being connected to other people and the larger world and having purpose every day. Yes, most definitely. So I can appreciate that immensely. And Tamara, I so appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank and you for having me. It's been great. Learned a whole lot of stuff. And so I'm sure my listeners will as well. And um, I appreciate it. And thank you so much. And um, we look forward to uh, catching up with you another time. Thank you so much, Kim. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Life Happens with Kim Hegwood. Be sure to tune in every Thursday at 10 a.m. wherever you listen to your podcasts as we navigate through the challenges that emerge as life happens. The content of this podcast does not establish an attorney-client relationship or constitute attorney-client privilege, legal, medical, financial, or any other professional advice. 